Keith, how's it going, man? I'm good, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA show on the Loro Antonio Sports Talk podcast. I'm your host, Loro Antonio. Today on our show, we're going to recap opening day, talk about games that are happening today for baseball and basketball, and uh, preview tonight's Dodger game, which I'll be at tonight. I'll be at tonight's game as well when the Dodgers take on the Giants. So first off, let's recap opening day. Tell me what your thoughts were on the Dodgers and the Mets and their opening day showdowns. Well, I mean, first of all, way to put on a show um, if you're the Los Angeles Dodgers coming out and you know, just absolutely showing the power. I mean, one one thing that I can really point to that I was very surprised at is, you know, how Jock Peterson came out and was incredibly aggressive at the plate, showing some really nice power, getting, you know, taking advantage of an opportunity, getting in there in the lineup. And that's really what he's going to have to do. Him and Chris Taylor uh, platooning out in left field, you know, lefty-righty situ- you know, lefty-righty matchups. Uh, they're going to have to just go out there on given days and, and take advantage of their opportunities. And he certainly did that, um, hitting a couple of bombs. Uh, as far as the new, you know, as far as my New York Mets go, absolutely love to see Cano get up there, be you know, be aggressive against Scherzer, uh, go center field on what seemed like a, a swing that really didn't warrant a home run. Obviously, we know that Cano's swing is effortless, um, but you know, launched a ball into center field for a home run, and then Degrom obviously put on the show uh, that he always puts on. Scherzer pitched incredibly well as well on his side. Um, you know, I got he got to see a clean ninth inning from Edwin Diaz as well. Uh, so all in all, both really, really solid opening day uh, showings for uh, the Dodgers just putting on an absolute power display. And then obviously with the Mets relying on the masterful uh, arm of Jacob deGrom. Oh, absolutely. The National, your, your Mets took two out of three from the Nationals. And, uh, and right now they're playing their matchup. If while we're doing the show, you're playing – you're probably watching the New York Mets take on the Miami Marlins. That game is about to start pretty soon. Jose Urina on the mound for the Marlins. And for the Mets, you got Jason Vargas. Yeah, Jason Vargas getting his first start of the year. Um, not uh, not super high expectations for me, but I think, you know, going out there against this Marlins lineup, you know, you're just you're, you're going to get a lot of young kids. So I think it's just a good time for him to be able to work on just, you know, location feel out of his hand. Obviously we're not going to see that velocity that you're going to normally see with guys like DeGrom, center guard, uh, Wheeler, you know, uh, you know, Matt's even for a left-hander throwing mid, you know, mid nineties. So uh, for him, I just want to see good feel on that breaking ball, good feel on that changeup. Um, you know, locating pitches and, and just, you know, getting, you know, navigating his way through the game the way that he knows how just locating. And, you know, I, 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 I love for him to keep the walks down runners on base, you know, just trust your defense. Cause the defense so far, uh, especially in the infield has been looking pretty solid. Oh, absolutely. This Mets team is off to a fantastic start and it's all because of Brody Van Wagen restructuring this roster and also, Highlight of the game yesterday when the Mets took on the Marlins. Pete Alonzo, his first major league home run. And I think by looking at him, he isn't he's probably putting his name in the rookie of the year conversation for the National League. Oh, he is. And I, I absolutely love it. I mean, the the power that he was able to display yesterday. I mean, there's not you know, first of all, there's not a whole lot of rookies that you're going to find with the raw power that he has being able to go to center field. But I mean, it was also the pitch that he hit low and away fastball, being able to take that, 
you know, not, not, you know, not get overly aggressive on that pitch, pull your shoulder off and pull that ball down the line to be able to go straight away center field, keep your shoulder and your head on the baseball and drive it to center field with the type of power that he did is fantastic. And, you know, even, even when he's not getting hits, most of his outs have been hard outs. He's putting together really solid at bats and putting together good swings. And, you know, I know it's early, but it's a a great sign for how his season is going to continue. Yeah, and so far the Mets are off to a good start. So are my Dodgers. But I want to point out to our recap on the Dodgers play the Diamondbacks. They took three out of four, but I want to point out on Friday's game. Um, obviously, that went 13 innings. We lost that game, but I just didn't like the umpiring on that game because too many back calls by Scott Ferry behind the plate. He got ricocheted. He got he got a concussion off the off his uh, mask. And then uh, Brian Gorman also did a t- terrible job on Friday's game. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I did not watch that game, uh, but you know, certainly a certainly a very hard fought game, and I think you know the it's it's bad enough in a regular you know in a regulation nine inning game to lose uh, on the influence of the umpires, but you know to continue for extra innings to you know continue to battle and grind over the course of you know a longer game than nine innings and have that fall into the fate of the umpires is 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 a, a more crushing blow than a majority of losses that you're going to find in the major leagues. And then I want to highlight Saturday when the Dodge, when Russell Martin closed out the game. I thought that was pretty cool, but he's not going to pitch, you know, because tonight I'll see him in the lineup today when the Dodgers play the Giants. We'll get to that in just a minute. And then on Sunday when the Dodgers played the Diamondbacks, I got worried because they were down 7-4, and then they stormed right back in the bottom of the eighth, which they came back from the dead and won that game. And it, look, and it, it looks like to me, when I watched the Diamondbacks play, Throughout that series this past weekend when the Dodgers played the Diamondbacks, Arizona's not looking good right now. No, they're not. And, you know, I said earlier in the year when we were doing our uh, our preview shows uh, when we were on the NL West that, you know, frankly, I'm a little bit wor- I'm worried about the state of the Diamondbacks right now. Obviously, a huge loss for them uh, when they traded away Paul Goldschmidt. Obviously, they let A.J. Pollock walk over to the Dodgers. But, you know, this is a team that outside of a couple of stars – uh, where you have guys like Jake Lamb and 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 David Peralta and obviously Granky in the starting rotation, eight, uh, Archie Bradley at the back end of your bullpen. There's really not a lot of reliability uh, with this team that you're going to be able to find over the course of the season. So I mean, if you know, obviously playing a team like the Dodgers, a team that is is bound to go very deep in the playoffs, is tough. But you know, if that first series was any indication of how this year is going to be going for the Arizona Diamondbacks, I, I can double down on my statement that I made that I think that this is going to end up being a team that is going to vie for last place in that division because the Padres have uh, actually shown me some nice things uh, early on in this season. Yeah, we'll get to the Padres in just a minute. The Diamondbacks actually played the Padres yesterday. We'll highlight that in just a minute. So let's talk about the Mets and let's talk about the Dodgers Giants game yesterday and the, and then Arias pitched a great five innings but the bullpen just gave up because everybody was booing Joe Kelly when he came into that game again pitched two innings I didn't think hit that was his best performance I'm not giving up on Joe Kelly I mean Joe Kelly start started the season off giving up four runs and then I think as the months go on I think Joe Kelly will be a reliable uh, back-end guy in our bullpen 
No, I agree. I, I can't really take I, I can't really look too much into it early on in the season. I mean the thing that the, the thing that you really have to feel positive about right now is that his his arm looks really good. His fastball's live coming out of his hand. And he's obviously getting really good depth and movement on his on his breaking ball. But I mean, the location just isn't there right now. And, you know, the first pitch that he gives up last night to belt home, you know, fastball that, uh, you know, with a little bit of arm side run that just leaks right back over the middle of the plate, kind of a microcosm of, of really what we've been seeing for the first two outings from Kelly, which is, you know, the 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 arm is live and his body feels good and his mechanics are rhythmic and smooth. But he just doesn't really have that location down yet on all of his pitches. And, at, you know, as the course of the year continues, I'm sure he's going to be able to, you know, uh, develop, you know, get that location kind of reined in better. So right now, if you're a Dodgers fan, obviously you're a little bit disappointed of the first two outings of the way Kelly has looked. But you can't really, uh, you know, take too much into it. you got to let the season run its course. I, I expect Joe Kelly to be a key piece in our bullpen. But from what I noticed from him in the first two outings, he just looks nervous out there. Uh, yeah. And I mean, that could, that could have a lot to do with the fact that he he's, you know, debuting in a new place. Um, you know, maybe it's just that, you know, kind of for, you know, debut jitters. I know sometimes for a lot of guys, you know, playing in a new place, the first month or, you know, first couple of weeks or so are a little bit rough because they're still trying to get adjusted to the new environment and, um, you know, playing in you know new ballpark. I I've heard a lot of stories where guys have difficulty adjusting to, um, you know, getting to a new ballpark, especially pitchers, because the mound, whether it's the height or, you know, the, the rubber is, is different, whatever the case may be. I think it may take Kelly about a week or two to fully adjust. But once he does, he'll be fine because that stuff plays. Yeah, he has the stuff to do it for him to be the eighth inning guy for Kenley Jansen. And uh, yesterday, what I saw from the Dodgers was I really liked our effort yesterday offensively, but really. I, I know the bullpen's off to a slow start, but I expect this Dodger bullpen to be to be really good this year. Yeah, no, I do too. And um, you know, you you mentioned Urias and how well he pitched. I loved the way that he looked. Um, you know, not only just stuff wise, came out with a live fastball. Uh, saw really, really good depth on his changeup. He mixed his pitches really well. But one thing that I loved from him is the poise that he showed. He had a couple of innings. The third inning where he had runners on first and second, gets that strikeout on Brandon Belt to end the inning. And then in the fifth inning, starts out with a runner on second and you know is able to get out of that situation. Showed really nice poise and, and mound presence for such a young kid out there, especially in his first start in what's been a couple of years. So I, I really love to see that along with how live his stuff looked. Yeah, and when Kershaw gets back, because he has a minor league rehab start on Thursday, expect Urias to go back to the bullpen once uh, once Kershaw comes back, and then when Hill comes back, then expect Ross Stripling to return to the bullpen. Yeah, those moves are going to be imminent, but you certainly really, if you're a Dodgers fan, you certainly have to love you know not only this first start, but what you you have to be happy with what you can expect to come out of Urias if this first start is any indication of what he's going to look like in this small sample size that we'll see while Kershaw and Rich Hill are currently uh, working their way back from injury. Yeah, I mean, uh, yesterday I would have wanted to see the Dodgers get more runs, but really uh, the bullpen still is a little work in progress from what I saw yesterday. But all in all, I expect this Dodger bullpen to be lights out every night and every day. Yeah, they will still be a very solid bullpen. Just, you know, early on in the season, just, uh, you know, get making adjustments to, to roles and, and just, you know, working on getting a feel for your command. 
early on the season. As long as they're, like I said with Joe Kelly, as long as your body is healthy and as long as your mechanics are rhythmic and your arm is live, you can, you know, you, you can brush up on the command as you get further into the season. The important thing is that when they get into the middle of the season and on, that their bullpen is fully, you know, is, is fully ready and, and, you know, everybody is doing their job to the best of their ability. Because if it gets to that point and it's not fixed yet, then that's how you know really something is wrong. The bullpen's not wrong yet for the Dodgers right now. It's right now they're off to a slow start. They're still trying to figure things out. But all in all, I expect this Dodger bullpen to be really, really good and really, really uh, tough to, to go up against. Yeah, they absolutely will be. The Dodgers bullpen was good, but not great. Yeah, so I think too this much injuries to our bullpen last year, especially Kenley dealing with the uh, irregular heartbeat. We didn't have a setup man, but this year I think our bullpen will be a lot better. Yeah, I think everything is going to be perfectly fine. Just give it, you know, just, just allow allow the bullpen guys to get adjusted, and and you know everything will be will be magical. I guarantee it. Absolutely. So now let's preview tonight's game between the Dodgers and Giants. I expect the Dodgers tonight to bounce back, get to Madison Bumgarner early, who's starting for the Giants today. I expect him, Jin Ryu, to follow up from his opening day outing tonight. Yeah, he had a really nice outing on on opening day, and you're going up against a uh, you're going up against a, a San Francisco Giants team that really is kind. Of, you know, Buster Posey, his swing looked really good last night. Um, you know, a, a couple of names they have on that team, Evan Longoria. Um, you know, there's obviously some good names, but it's not a, a real incredible lineup. They, a lot of their heavy hitters are lefties when you talk about guys like, uh, you know, like Brandon Crawford, uh, Brandon Belt, obviously. So that's going to play in a, a real big factor for uh, for Hunjin Ryu. And then tonight, lineup wise, the Dodgers only they only put. Uh, three lefties in the lineup spread about nicely. Seager's going to be batting third tonight. Bellinger's going to be batting fifth. You got some Muncie with some real nice pop batting in the seventh spot. They have a really nice lengthy lineup. Six righties going in there. Um, so I, I'm sure off the of bum Garner tonight. I want you know I want to see them. Be aggressive off the fastball early on. The one thing you can't do with Bumgarner, you can't let him settle in, and you can't let him have good. Com- you you know you can't let him dominate the strike zone early on with his off speed stuff. So they have no, to get, gotta, jump on the fastball. You got Bum- to make Bumgarner throw balls. That's what I want to see the Dodgers do: keep fouling pitches off so that Bumgarner throws balls. Yeah, you have you have to you have to make him you know work. You have to allow him, you know make him get deep into counts. You know leave fastballs over the plate. Because once he settles in and he's able to work that off-speed stuff on both sides of the plate, he, you know, he, you're virtually done as, as, you know, as a lineup. You're done. Every time there's a lefty on the mound in the first game of the series, what I disagree with is I'm putting David Freeze in there. It's like, David Freeze is only a once-a-week starter. He started last week against the Diamondbacks on Friday against Robbie Ray. That's understandable. And then he started yesterday against, uh, against Drew Pomeranz. And I don't expect David Freeze to start tomorrow. No, I don't. No, I do not. But I, I think that I, to your point, I think having David Freeze in the lineup tonight would have still been, you know, a good idea. Obviously, you know, Muncie is going to provide you some really nice power from the bottom of the lineup. But, you know, you get two things with David Freeze. Number one, you get power. Obviously, he's got that ability to hit for power against lefties. But number two, he's got that ex- he's got a ton of experience hitting against Madison Bumgarner. So there's Absolutely. that familiarity with that stuff, which could play really well for the Dodgers. Yeah, but I, I was wanting Muncie in there today because the the Dodgers are facing three of the Giants' lefties, and they're facing a lefty tomorrow against Derek Collin, and Derek Collin's not even that good. And then when the Dodgers have an off day, and then when they play Colorado, obviously they're going to be facing on Friday, and 
Tyler Anderson's not even that good of a starting pitcher for the Rockies. No, I mean he's he's got average stuff. I mean he does have it. He has a nice breaking ball, um, but I mean nothing nothing incredibly overpowering. You're not going to get a lot of you know even even Bumgarner himself really not a super overpowering guy with that fastball. Just has the ability to command it well and has unhittable off speed stuff when he's on. Um, so I mean you're you're going to have to. Re- I I'd like to see Muncie put up some good at bats tonight against Madison Bumgarner. I you know you want to see you want to be able to to trust him on a consistent basis against lefties in your lineup and not have to throw David freeze in there. I'm just saying, if you really wanted that experience, uh, you know, with the familiarity hitting off of Bumgarner plus the power, I think putting David freeze in your lineup would, uh, you know, be, it w- would be beneficial. Yeah, it would have been beneficial, but I saw freeze yesterday. He hasn't gotten a hit yet, but I want to see, I think David freeze tonight. What I want to see since I'm going to the game tonight I want to see David Freeze come up to pinch it when Bumgarner's still pitching. Yeah, I think that would be great. You throw him in in a sixth, seventh inning situation. Um, you know, Freeze is obviously a, a very, very good clutch hitter. We know that. So, you know, I, I would love to see. Da- I would love to see Dave Roberts make use of him. I think that would be really great for the you know later part of the game. I expect Ryu to go deep tonight, and then I expect the Dodgers to get to Bumgarner early. And I actually like the lineup today because I feel like that this Dodger team is actually, from what I noticed yesterday, when the Dodgers faced Drew Pomeranz, their approach against, against uh, what you would call this, their approach against Drew Pomeranz was very good. And Drew Pomeranz, I didn't think he pitched that great yesterday. He did. He threw himself a nice game for just being able to compete against the Dodgers lineup. I mean, obviously, you know, he, he didn't, I, I don't think he threw an absolute gem. Um, but he did really well, was able to keep uh, the Giants in the game, obviously. A couple of really not, you know, uh, giving up the home run to Taylor, super nice at bat by Taylor. And then a, a Verdugo really, really blew me away with his at bat against Pomerantz, showing the lefty on lefty power. Um, that, that was really, really nice to see. And he's been hitting really well so far this year. Yeah. And uh, he obviously not in the lineup today, obviously because of a lefty. And, uh, and I was expecting Jock Peterson to be in the lineup today because I, I, I went to a Dodger game one time when Jock Peterson started against Bumgarner, and Jock has a homer off of Bumgarner in his career. That's why I would have wanted to see Jock Peterson in the lineup today instead of Chris Taylor. Yeah, I just think that a couple of things. Number, you know, number one, you're sticking with the idea of the lefty-righty platoon. Um, I, I think, obviously, you have the – you know, even though you have the history of the – uh, you know, hitting a home run off of Bumgarner. I, I think from, you know, just a, just from a peer looking at it from the eyes perspective, I, I wouldn't really bet on too many good at-bats tonight from Jock against Bumgarner. Uh, whereas, you know, I get the lefty-righty matchup with Taylor that I would probably prefer. Um, but, you know, I'm, but I mean, it could have worked out either way. I think that the more advantageous matchup is putting in Taylor, who is still – who. You know, like Jock, you throw him in the lineup, is still going to provide you that power. Oh, absolutely. I think this lineup today will get to Bumgarner early. When I look at the lineup, I was expecting Barnes to be in there, but I'm obviously, as a lifelong Dodger fan, I've seen Russell Martin play for the Dodgers back in my, back in my grade school days, and I, I'm really happy now to see him back in Dodger blue. Yeah, it's great to have He's him in the back. lineup today, which, which I like. Yeah. I, like Barnes. I, I, think, I wanted to see Barnes, but at the same time, I was like, in my first Dodger game of the season that I'm going to, why not start? Why not? Why not start with Russell Martin? 
Yeah, why not give you a little bit of nostalgia? Certainly nice to see. Um, I, I take you know take a look at the lineup today. Uh, Kike Hernandez, Justin Turner, Cordy Seager, third, AJ Pollock, fourth. I really like that's an interesting one. He has that pop uh, in the middle of the lineup, a nice sneaky four hitter because not only does he give you that home run pop, he gives you that gap to gap power that you may need against Bumgarner because he doesn't really give up a whole lot of long balls uh, with his ability to command his breaking stuff. Uh, Bellinger fifth. Taylor Chris Taylor six so you get that separation of lefty right righty lefty righty in the middle of your order Max Muncy batting seventh and Russell Martin batting eighth and I actually like him catching Ryu in this second in his second start yeah because I think uh, Russell Martin knows how to call a game and uh, I I think uh, I think uh, Martin is is a player that I've always liked and uh, with Muncy although he's off to a slow start offensively I am confident that Max Muncy is going to get out of it and that he's going to sh- and that he is still and he's going to get out of that slump. I, yeah. I know he will. Yeah, I'm confident in him absolutely. Um you know, he, he right he's... now is off to a slow start. I think he still has that hangover from last season, but I think that once once this week's over, we get through this week and head into next week, then we can then I would expect Max Muncy to get out of the slump, but I don't expect Max Muncy to be platoon. No, I don't either. I think he's too valuable of a hitter in the middle of your lineup to to take him out. You know, it just one of those things that you typically find early in the year. Some guys just get off to slow starts. It is what it is. You know, he get you know as he uh, continues to get more at bats, he gets adjusted, gets his eye back, you know proper eye back at the plate. He'll be perfectly fine. It was like I I think it was I think Muncie's slump is a little different than Bellinger's slump last season it was because. Bellinger was just a, had a sophomore slump last year, and I think this year Cody Bellinger is on pace for an MVP type season. Yeah, I think a sophomore slump is a, is is so much different than what Max Muncy is going through. This is just this is just one of those things for Max Muncy where it's just early on in the year and you're just trying to find your swing I, and just trying to get back into a rhythm. I think for for Bellinger it's it's different because sophomore slump is just one of those things where you know uh, you're. As, as a manager, now you can take a look at the tape and you can finally diagnose what the weaknesses are and you exploit them more and more. And, you know, you just continue to pound that weakness. Whereas for Muncie, it's just getting readjusted to, you know, seeing major league pitching again in a, in a, in a game, in a, you know, a regular season game environment. So I'm not really too worried about it. I'm not worried about Muncie's. I think Cody Ballinger's, I think he put that sophomore slump behind him and I, do think that now in his third year, I really think that he's putting up MVP type numbers. And I expect to see Bellinger get continue to get better and continue to get those base hits. He's not really relying on the home run ball that I'm used to seeing. Like in his rookie year, he was calm at the plate. And then at the World Series, he really didn't adjust to hitting that high breaking ball. But I think this year he's really learned to learned how to how to how to hit how to adjust to the where the breaking ball is so that he can hit for contact instead yeah. of for power. Yeah, which is fantastic because that, you know, the breaking ball is really such a huge detriment to, you know, that sophomore slump last year. You really could just focus on throwing him that low breaking ball and he would chase it every single time. You know, now he's getting more adjusted to it and you want to see him be able to grow that way as a hitter. Obviously, we know what kind of power he has, but his ability to rein in his swing and not just, you know, not just try to launch the ball 500 feet, rein in that swing, you know, pepper singles. Uh, you know, when you have to fight off the breaking ball with two strikes, that's going to allow him to grow as a hitter. And not only that, make him much more difficult to pitch to, which you you love to see that growth in your third year if you're, if uh, you know, if you're the Dodgers. 
Yeah, and uh, I want to give a shout-out to Dodgers hitting coach Robert Van Soyak, who's in his first year as the hitting coach for the Dodgers. I really think he's done a good job with our hitters, and I think not only he's not telling those guys you don't have to rely on the home run ball every game, there's other ways to win games without hitting the home run ball. Yeah, there, there absolutely is, and I think those things get lost now because we're so – you know, we see guys like – you know, Giancarlo Stanton, you know, guys on the Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, you know, and the guy, you know, all, all across baseball, Bryce Harper, we're seeing the home run ball becoming such a crux of, of how you score runs in Major League Baseball, especially with the fact that, you know, the, the strikeout numbers are up now. So you want to be able to get that extra base hit, that long ball to be able to put up runs against those high strikeout pitchers. But there are other ways. To, to win games, small ball, you know, fighting with two strikes, good, you know, good deep in the count at bats, um, you know, uh, peppering singles to the right side, getting doubles, you know, m- being able to move guys over. Those are the, you know, when you don't have the home run ball working on a particular day or you're facing a pitcher, you know, that, that has really, really good strikeout stuff. Those are the little things uh, offensively. They're going to help you win ball games and ultimately help you win a world series. So I love the fact that they're instilling that in these hitters early on to get them used to that approach for later in the season. Yeah, last year the Dodgers just kept relying on the home run ball, which was not necessary. But I think this year they're they're breaking out of that habit this year. Yeah, and I'd certainly hope so. You know, it's it, it'll you know the de- the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So you know, being able to adjust your approach this year as opposed to what they were doing last year, I think is gonna is what I think is going to ultimately make this Dodger team even better than they were last year. Absolutely. So we want to get to some other news that we want to talk about here. Breaking news that the Rockies, however, did extended Herman Marquez. The Braves extended Ronald Acuna Jr. And the Blue Jays, however, extended Randall Gretschick. So, so far, and also I want to, I don't want to leave this out. uh, Xander Bogart's got an extension from the Red Sox. So, Early extensions are kicking right in. Yeah, they are. And they're for those, you know, the young players, you really like to see that, um, you know, Bogarts is, you know, I can remember, I can remember watching him back in 2013 when he first came up with, with the Red Sox, you know, it was a part of that world series run that they had. And it's amazing. The, the thing that I've watched him grow into is, is an offense is a really, really great offensive player. 2025 home run guy, uh, you know, that could be a force in the middle of your lineup because when he first, when he first came up, he was a defensive whiz that really was kind of a, a liability almost offensively at the plate. Now he's turned into a nice offensive juggernaut. You get him paid. Um, Acuna is the centerpiece of that Braves team. Just an absolute beast. Incredible power at the leadoff spot for them. Um, you know, a, a cornerstone of that franchise. Uh, Marquez is a really nice young arm for the Rockies that I think was important to lock up. Uh, he's going to be a nice top of the rotation piece for them, along with Kyle Freeland going forward. Helps them build that young core around Nolan Arenado, which you really, really like to see. Um, you know, and then I think Randall Gritchick for the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, he came over uh, with you know from the St. Louis Cardinals, and you know, I, I think finally, and I, I think the reason why I saw something like this coming was because the the Toronto Blue Jays actually traded Kevin Pillar today. Uh, to the San Francisco Giants. So now you get that young guy in, in Randall Gritchick, who um, I, I think has always been a little bit overlooked. You know, he's a, a, a an athletic outfielder, nice arm. He's got some pop on him. 
uh, can run a little bit, uh, you know, not, not an, obviously not a, a, a speed burner, but he's a guy that can steal you 15 bases, runs the bases pretty effectively. So he's going to be a nice young guy in that lineup for the Blue Jays. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, who you know, it's what's almost coming for the Blue Jays is the debut of Vlad Jr. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I almost feel, I almost feel deprived right now of that. Um, you know, we're watching all these young guys, Pete Alonzo, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has looked really well so far. Uh, you know, I just, I just got, I just had the opportunity to watch Victor Robles in that first series with the Washington Nationals. He looked fantastic. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of these young guys come up and and make an impact, and I, I'm, I feel deprived. Uh, and Elo Jimenez too. Don't forget about him. I'm looking forward to see when MLB Network shows the Chicago White Sox, so then I can take a look at Eloy Jimenez. Absolutely, that light tower power is is something that I'm looking forward to watching. I I, I can't wait until Vlad Jr. comes uh, comes and steps into the lineup finally for the Blue Jays for the Vlad first time. Jr. is going to make his debut on 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 Jackie Robinson Day. That would that would be something, and he's going to come. I I think. I'm going to I'm going to throw something out there that's going to be my prediction. I think on his first game, whenever that may be, uh you say you predict on Jackie Robinson game. His first game when that whenever that is, he's going to have a nice solid 2 for 4. He's going to have two home runs, four RBIs, and I think in his first at bat, he's going to go deep on the first pitch. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. And then let's talk about yesterday's Padres and Diamondbacks game and uh, I saw this highlight and I immediately thought of you when I saw this this highlight when Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a monster home run that went into the Western Metal Supply Company for the Padres, and I'm like, man, not wait to see when the when my Dodgers play the Padres and actually pitch to Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, I mean, wow, you know, just the the the, the power is insane on this guy. And, you know, I, I think that might be the most underrated part of his game because obviously we know how athletic of a fielder he is. He's got a strong arm, you know, his ability to hit for contact to all fields. He's very athletic, but the power, I mean, I saw that home run and like, wow, you know, like it just, the ball really jumped off the bat. And I know one of the things that Manny Machado certainly has been impressed with uh, is is Fernando Tatis and the way that he's been playing so far. I mean, he has just been excellent. And, you know, I, I don't expect anything less from him continuing on this season. You of I have talked about multiple times that we think he's going to be, uh, you know, the front runner for the National League Rookie of the he's Year. He's going to win the National League Rookie of the Year. Fernando Absolutely. Tatis Jr. will. Absolutely. He and then, is. It, and then what I, we saw here on my screen right here, the Mets are up 4 nothing over the Marlins. Yeah, really love to see it early on the way that they've been jumping on, uh, you know, the way that they've been jumping on pitching. They have done a great job offensively. I love I love how they look uh, so far this year. Obviously, Pete Alonzo, we talk about his power. Um, you know, Cano, I think, has gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. Last night looked pretty overpowered, 0 for 5 with 4Ks. Um, but, you know, I think older player just trying to get back the timing of his swing, he'll do fine. Um, Brandon Nimmo's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start, but I've seen some nice at-bats early on from Michael Conforto. I love what I've been seeing from Wilson Ramos. Haven't seen a home run yet, but he's been hitting the ball the other way incredibly effectively. Jeff McNeil has been nice in that lineup when they've been putting him in. They've been kind of you know, hesitating a little bit because they're trying to get J.D. Davis some playing time, but they're also trying to get Brandon Nimmo going. Um, but I, and Ahmed Rosario's swing looks good, hasn't fully gotten into it yet. Uh, as far as being able to put, you know, put base hits up on the board, had a nice clutch hit last night, though. Um, so offensively, the Mets have been looking really good. And if they can continue to 
have those guys, you know, have their young guys develop. And then, you know, Cano comes along, gets his swing together. They should certainly be able to, you know, be a nice offensive force along with that pitching. Yeah, I mean, last year, look at it. The Mets started off 11-1 and last year, and then they collapsed. I think this year they're more focused and they're, and they're more ready and determined. Yeah, and I think one thing that gets kind of lost in this is, you know, there, there's a much calmer energy to this team. And I think that started to really kick in during spring training when Robinson Cano came in because, you know, obviously we know he's – I, I I get, you know, everybody calls out about how nonchalant he is and how calm and smooth everything is. I think that energy, you know, from a, a veteran bringing him in with all these young guys really kind of set the tone for, you know, what their, you know, what their mentality is going to be. Go out there, have fun, play hard, but do everything, you know, do everything smooth. Don't be so uptight, you know, go out there and, and just let everything loose. And so far they've looked, they look like they're sticking with that, kind of mentality and I like it how it's been looking because they look really good so far yeah them and the Phillies and the Braves are going to be neck and neck in the uh, NLE so tonight when we talk about tonight's game so the Phillies play the Nationals and that's in a rain delay but that game's going to be starting pretty soon that Bryce Harper will be making his return to DC and I wonder if what you think do you think even a lot of applause or a lot of boos I think he should be receiving applause. And, you know, I, I know that there's going to be that small section of fans that's going to boo and, um, you know, because he went to a division rival. But here's the, fa- here's the fact of the battle. Number one, number one the, the Nationals low-balled Bryce Harper. That's been coming, uh, you know, over the last couple of days, that's been coming to light that Bryce Harper was actually ready to go back to the Washington Nationals, but then they low-balled him with the second offer. So that's, that's not Bryce Harper's fault. I think they have to take that into account. But number two, I, I know that they didn't win a playoff series in Washington when Bryce was there, but let's be completely honest with ourselves. The reason why the Washington Nationals are relevant is not because of Ryan Zimmerman. It's not because of Steven Strasburg. It's not because of Max Scherzer, no matter how great he is. It's, it's because of Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper put the Washington Nationals on the map. And Bryce Harper did some unbelievable things in, in, in Washington. You know, won an MVP, six-time All-Star. You know, that, that awesome home run derby that we saw last year got them to a couple of, you know, got them to the playoffs multiple times. Obviously, you would have liked to have seen them do more with the talent that they had. But he did such great things for that city that I think it's only right for them to, to you know, give him a standing ovation. Like I said, there will be some, you know, there will be some cynical people that will boo. But I think ultimately the right thing for them to do because of what he did for that city is to applaud him. I mean, I think the Nationals fans, once Bryce Harper steps up to the plate tonight, then I would expect the fans in Washington, the fans of the Nationals to stand up, applaud, and then Bryce Harper will uh, wave to them before he gets in that, before he starts his at bat. Yeah, I the one thing that you can guarantee whether they, you know, whether they give him a standing ovation or not, the one thing you can guarantee on the part of Bryce Harper is that that moment when he steps in the box for the first time is going to be emotional. Yeah, I think it's going to be emotional and obviously what we found out is that Bryce Harper is going to be a father at some time in August as he and his wife are uh, expecting their first child together. That's going to be kind of in his brain right now. Yeah, the, uh, congratulations to to them first of all. I mean, that's fantastic news to hear about, you know, your your the birth of your child is obviously such a great thing for them and 
Um, you know, who knows if that may distract him. I certainly don't think it will. If anything, I think it, it you know, it, it might help him play better because it's just, you know, the excitement of, you know, everything great that's happening in your life right now. You have a $330 million contract. You're playing with a team that's going to compete for an NL East title and you have a son on the way. So it's awesome. Congratulations to him. Um, I, I, I can't wait to see what kind of baseball player that kid is going to grow into. Yeah, I think they'll. I think whenever Chris Bryant and his wife have a kid, I think both of those people will become best friends, like how Bryce Harper and Chris Bryant are. Yeah, and they will both probably hit forty-five bombs a year and be even better than their fathers are. Yeah, and then let's talk about some highlights here. So right now the Rays are up one nothing over the Rockies, and the Rockies are off to kind of a rocky start here. But I think the Rockies will still find a way to keep up with the Dodgers in the NL West. Yeah, I agree with you. First of all, nice pun. Uh, Rockies are off to a rocky start. I don't know if you caught that one, but it was a nice pun. Um, but second of all, I, yeah, the Rockies will be perfectly fine. I mean, offensively, they're such a great team. Obviously, you know, they lose Daniel Murphy for a month uh, to the injured list. I'm going to have to get used to saying that instead of disabled list. Um, you know, that, that's, a little, that's a big blow to your offense, but it's still, it's still a very nice offensive team, obviously, with Arenado and, and Charlie Blackman. Um, you know, and, and David Dahl and those guys. And then you still have the nice young pitching. They're going to be perfectly fine, just off to a slow start, which typically sometimes happens uh, with these, you know, with, with these uber competitive teams. They may get off to slow starts because they're getting their, you know, their, their, their bigger bats back in rhythm or, you know, something in the pitching staff is just kind of off to a slow start, whatever the case may be. They're going to be perfectly fine. Uh, we're competing for a wild card spot. And for the Rays, a start was blown I'm blown away by the Rays right now because they're after that loss to the Astros they have they have racked up I'm kind of blown away with the Rays right now yeah they're they look fantastic I mean their their young pitching just looks absolutely fantastic I mean you see the live arm from we we know we know what Blake Snell can do but I I've been impressed I was impressed with Tyler Glass now his arm is live he touched 100 the other day their bullpen has looked really good um up and down they they're just they're blowing me away and you know one thing we talked about when we were doing our previews is don't sleep on the Tampa Bay Rays this is a good team uh they lose Joey Wendell to the uh the injured list for a little bit but not really that big of a deal they're they're, they're looking solid. Do not sleep on this team. This is a very, very solid baseball team with good There's, young pitching. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see when my Dodgers go down to Tampa Bay in May because uh, that's going to be a fun uh, team to watch. And I want to see Clayton Kershaw go up against Blake Snell. Blake Snell is obviously my favorite player on the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, a phenomenal pitcher. And, I mean, it, it just blows my mind to think about the idea that the Rays were going to be paying this guy $573,000 this year before he signed that uh, before he signed that four-year contract extension for a dude that has just some of the best stuff from the left side in, in baseball, maybe in all of baseball. Uh, you know, a Cy Young caliber guy at the top of that rotation. That top three with Snell, Morton, and Glass now is probably one of the most underrated three-headed monsters in Major League Baseball. Absolutely. And then let's go to your Mets-Marlins game. And they are up 5 nothing in the bottom of the first. And they really got to the arena right there when I saw on my television screen right now. On yeah, the, tonight. 
Yeah, they have been getting to Jose Arena. And the thing about Jose Arena is that, you know, he has obviously that live fastball, but it is a flat fastball. It can stay over the middle of the plate, and when it does, it gets hit. And, you know, from what I've seen early on from the Mets, they're really taking advantage of the, uh, you know, they're really taking advantage of fastballs early in the count and doing a great job at, at, you know, not digging themselves into too many holes uh, in, you know, late in the count and at-bats. And, um, you know, obviously jumping on Arena tonight, giving – uh, Jason Vargas, a, a great cushion to work with. So, you know, hopefully Vargas with this cushion goes out there and, and, you know, just pitches to his defense, doesn't try to do too much. Absolutely. And then obviously for the Mets, when you hear Gary Cohn call home run calls, he always says it's out of here. I love it. I, I love Gary Cohen. I've been, you know, I grew up with Gary, you know, listening to Gary Cohen, obviously. And, uh, you know, that that trio of Gary Cohen, Ron Darling and Keith Hernandez is is up there with one of the be- you know, one of the best announcing crews uh, in major in Major League Baseball. Yeah, on SNY. And I saw on MLB on MLB Network that it's not Ron Darling's not in the booth. I saw, it's just I think it's Gary and Keith in that in the booth. Yeah, it is. It is just Gary and Keith tonight. But I mean, it, it, I love Keith Hernandez because he's so he's so incredibly blunt. He's inc- you know he's honest, but he's he's also incredibly analytical. Really, really good mind. Um, can, good sense he, of humor too. Because I've I've seen him on uh, on Fox during the during the playoffs. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. I, I I really appreciate him as an announcer. He is a wonderful wonderful announcer. And uh, when the Dodgers play the Mets, you and I will be talking about that a lot and who's going to be pitching. And I wonder when you're watching the game, who's going to be in the visiting booth at Dodger Stadium, if it's going to be Gary with Ron and Keith or all three or if it's just two. Well, I can I, I can certainly tell you that I cannot wait for that game because one, one thing that I would really love to see is and, and hopefully it lines up this way. I would love to see two the two games in which the pitching matchup would be DeGrom versus Kershaw and then the next day get I I don't think this is going to happen because of the way that the rotation lines up but the next day it could be Bueller versus Cindergard. Oh, I, I would love to God, see that. I'd watch that. But actually actually in May I most likely could be going to one of those games when the Dodgers play the Mets at Dodger Stadium. That would be that's I don't know when I, I might be going to either some t- I think it's in late May either a Tuesday either on Tuesday night or on Wednesday night. Yeah, well, I, I I'm very know, jealous though, when, I, when I go to that. When I I'll message you on Snapchat though. When I go to those when I go to one of those Dodgers Mets games when the Mets come to town in uh, in uh, in the yeah, I'm very and jealous. Actually, I went to a Dodgers Mets game last year, and I've always seen the Dodgers beat the Mets heading into last year's game, but the Mets beat us last year in Zach Wheeler's gem. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, yeah, Zach Wheeler. I remember that game actually where he pitched. Zach Wheeler threw really really well and. Um, you know, I, I'm very jealous of you being able to go to that game, especially if it lines up to where you're going to be able to see DeGrom or Syndergaard. Then, I mean, you're just you're, – you're bringing in the jackpot Or if it's right Steve there. Matz, who's their only even, left-hander in the rotation with Vargas. Yeah, even Steve Matz. You know, you know what? Watching any of those four guys, honestly, is just a treat because the stuff that those four guys possess is just fantastic no matter who you look at. Yeah, so uh, when you're watching the game right now for the Mets, it's just Gary and Keith tonight. No, no, Ron Darling. Yeah. Or did Ron Darling do the opening game? Ron, Dar- uh, the opening game of the series last night was just uh, was just Gary and Keith. Yeah. So they they occasionally do this where you know they'll go down on a road trip, and for all three games it'll be you know it'll be Keith, or for all three games it'll be Ron. For the most part. A lot of the time when you see them together, all three, a lot of it is for home games or sometimes if it's not like 
a far travel game. Like, for example, if they go to Yankee Stadium or, like, if they go down to Philly, all three of them will be together for the most part. But um, but sometimes on the road, it's just – it'll be one of them. Sometimes Ron will go or sometimes Keith will go. Yeah, a lot of the time – a lot of the time when it's West Coast road trips, I know uh, because – because Keith Hernandez has a lot of family in, in California, a lot of times it'll just be Gary and, and, uh, and Ron. Gary, Keith, Gary and Keith at Dodger Stadium? The Gary and Ron. I was, it tell, I was telling you last year I went to a Dodgers-Mets game, and it was when Zach Wheeler faced Ryu, and then we lost. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. It'll, it mo- for the most part, Ron does the West Coast road trips because, like I said, Gary, uh, Ron does the West – because Keith – uh, has a lot of family in California. I know his daughter lives out in California. Speaking of which, well, broadcasting families, when it comes to football, you know Bob Papa's brother Greg does does Bay Area stuff. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do know that. Yes. But now, now that being said, no score in the rap in the in the Blue Jays and Orioles game. So uh, really, what I was surprised about, I thought the Yankees were going to sweep the Orioles, but the Orioles somehow found a way to get get a get got a, a series win over the Yankees. Yeah, that was really interesting to me. And when, um, they, when they poured ice on Brandon Hyde in, yeah. the, in the clubhouse. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Charlie Montoyo, too. Yeah, that was cool. Get a, a nice little celebration for, you know, your, your first big league win as a manager. That was really cool. Um, I, I was pretty shocked that the Orioles came away with that series. But, you know, early in the year, I, I don't obviously take too much out of it. I think early in the year, those are kind of like the big wins for those teams that you know aren't going to be really in the playoff mix, so I so can't the, I can't read the too Orioles much. Orioles are starting off four and one. It doesn't mean that they're going to stay like this throughout the whole season. No, they're not. That that four this four and one right now that they're at is probably the peak of their season. Don't you know? Don't everybody don't get on you know the Orioles bandwagon all of a sudden because this four and one is pro, it has the ability to drop to four and ten within the next week or so. So. And then with the Blue Jays, I think Montoyo and the Blue Jays are probably in a better direction than Baltimore Orioles are. No, I definitely think so. Their starting pitching has been looking has has been looking really really good so far. You know, Stroman has has had a couple of nice outings. Aaron Sanchez has looked really good. Um, you know, early on they they look nice. Um, I mean, this is going to be like a middle of the road team, seventy anywhere from like seventy nine to eighty two wins uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. But I, I certainly like what I've seen early on from their from their pitching staff. And then the Phillies and Nationals games about to get started. The the Brewers they picked up where they left off last year, which that didn't surprise me. No, not really. And it didn't. Uh, I, you love to see Christian Yelich four straight games with a home run. That's fantastic. But the um, bad news is that Corey Canable, their key piece to that bullpen, is out for the season. But you know what? They still got Josh Hader. Their bullpen is still good. Yeah. No, they're they're fine. I mean, Josh Hader's just 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 comes out casually, throws an immaculate inning, all fastballs, just blows them by everybody. You know, just just I think regular Josh stuff. The everyday closer for the Brewers now. Oh, he's amazing. I think he will be the everyday closer. I, I, yeah, I think he will be the everyday closer. I could make the argument that Josh Hader may be, as far as just, as far as relief pitchers go, you know, you can throw in starters all you want, but as far as relief pitchers go, he's the singular most unhittable pitcher in Major League Baseball. Yeah, every last year when my Dodgers faced against the Brewers in the playoffs, every time Josh Hader was on the mound, I look, I was nervous, but 
I'm like, my gosh, why can't anybody hit a, hit a home run off of that guy? Well, it's interesting because not only does he have such a live fastball, but he throws kind of back across his body. So you're picking it up at a weird angle kind of on the side of his body, but almost toward you're almost picking the ball up from like the viewpoint of second base. And then on top of that, it's coming in at 97, 98 with incredible life up in the zone. It's just like, and then he throws you that slider and you're just finished. And then the Yankees up one, nothing over the Tigers. And also speaking of the Yankees with Stanton on the, on the injured list, Miguel and Duhar, from what I'm hearing, he sounds optimistic that he doesn't need to have surgery. Yeah. They're saying that it's, it's a partial tear of the labrum uh, that he, will probably just require some rehab time uh, during the season. And if it um, doesn't work out, then you're going to have to go to surgery like how Corey Seager did. He tried rest and rehab on his elbow, but ended up having Tommy John surgery last year. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because, you know, one of the things that is uh, one of the hardest injuries to battle back from is is a torn labrum because it's just such a large portion of the shoulder that you're tearing up. Um, and it's and it's, you know, really it's it's one of those things that just kind of hurts your mobility, you know, for the rest of the time that you're going to continue to use that shoulder. So um, I, I think that the best thing to do would probably be surgery uh, if he finds a way to, to rehab it more power to him. Um, but I can tell you from personal experience, I can tell you from personal experience watching guys uh, that I've played with. I currently actually have a teammate right now who's my shortstop who has a torn labrum at the moment and he's trying to rehab it. Um, you know, come and it's coming along very, very slowly. I mean, he just doesn't have a whole lot of mobility in that shoulder. There's constant pain. Yeah. I actually, one day at practice, I put my hand on his shoulder and he moved it ever so slightly. And it, I felt like three different forms of clicking and like cracking in his shoulder. So it's, it's just not really in good shape and it's very difficult to rehab that sort of injury because, you know, especially for guys that like Andujar are throwing the ball across the diamond at such long distances and maybe doing it multiple times a game with full arm, you know, trying to full out, you know, full out use your arm for the most arm strength possible for the longest throw. So it puts much more wear and tear on it for Andujar. Um, so, you know, if he's able to rehab it, more power to him. But I think it's more likely that he'll end up getting surgery. We'll see about that. But Tanaka's pitching well in, the, in, that, in the series with the Yankees and Tigers. Uh, Di Sclafani on the mound so, so far seems like he's having a nice outing with Chassin as lights out. And then when the Phillies play the Nationals, Max Scherzer will be on the mound today against uh, Zach Eflin. Yeah, I, I can't wait to watch one one ma- a couple the matchup I can't really wait to watch is is Harper versus Scherzer. I mean that's going to be incredibly interesting, watching those two guys battle it out. One of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball versus one of the best hitters in baseball. Obviously, you love that matchup, but you know former teammates. There's that excitement. There's that energy. Um, there's that, you know, you left me. So now I want to bury you type of mentality that Max Scherzer is going to have. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then for Eflin, you know, he's their five starter. You just want to, you know, you just want to go out there, have a good outing, you know, get your team deep into the game. It's a young lineup with the nationals take advantage of them, you know, breaking balls lower in the zone, kind of try to keep them off balance. There's some pop in that lineup. Yep. Obviously you're going to face Soto. So if he just is able to go five, six innings, keep them in the game, and kind of compete a little bit with Max Scherzer, it, it'll really help out the Phillies. Absolutely here. And then let's talk about another pitching matchup in the games later, the 5 o'clock portion of the game. So 
the Rangers taking on the Astros today in game two of the series. The Ranger, the Astros took game one of that series last night. Justin Verlander on the mound today against Shelby Miller. I think Justin Verlander is going to go pitch the lights out at Globe Life Park tonight. Yeah, I, I think he I, I think he's going to have a solid, solid outing tonight against this Rangers lineup. Very easy lineup to strike out. Uh, obviously, with guys like Gallo who have high strikeout no, uh, numbers, Nomar Mazzara, uh, Rugnetto Dor has a pretty big swing on him. So, though, you know, with, with the type of stuff that Verlander has, obviously he's going to be able to go out there and 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 dice him up. And then, you know, that lineup for the Astros is you know is as reliable as they come as far as just giving uh, Verlander run support. Yeah, and uh, their lineup's usually the same right here. And then the Rangers still have the Rangers have two at the top of the orders, but, you know, the Rangers are still rebuilding. And then another game that we want to talk about, I think this will be fun right here. The Royals and Twins battle of two and one teams, but I think the Twins will be trending upward, but the Royals will be trending downward. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I've talked about this. Do not sleep on the Twins. This is a very, very solid roster that they have built with Rocco Baldelli. I think that they're just kind of getting started as far as the ceiling that they have for their season. Obviously, we know the Royals are in rebuild mode. Um, you know, not having Salvi Perez is a huge blow to that team. Uh, young pitching, they're kind of working out the kinks. One guy I really like for them is Kyle Zimmer, uh, one of their younger arms, a former top prospect of theirs. Uh, for the Twins nice, or for the Royals? Oh, for the Royals, I'm, I'm saying. He, he's Zimmer, a nice Kyle young Zimmer. arm. Kyle Zimmer, nice young arm for them. I like him, uh, but we, you know, we know the result for them at the end of the season. They're going to end up being, you know, one of the worst teams in baseball. They're still kind of rebuilding toward their future. Yeah, and then also tonight, who I think is going to pitch the lights out out of Kauffman Stadium today is Jose Barrios with a record of one and zero, and he has not given up runs yet. No, he he's looked really good early on, and you know he's obviously the ace of that team. Uh, lights out stuff. Uh, from him, obviously, the wicked breaking ball is is that big feature pitch, and I think he's going to go out there tonight and and throw himself a really good game in Kansas City. And then the Red Sox play the A's tonight, and uh, like we talked about here, now that Bogarts is locked up, I think the Red Sox will have plenty of money in their in their fight. They'll have plenty of money for them to still find a way to extend Mookie Betts, who I don't see the Red Sox letting go sometime. No, and they shouldn't let him go. I think they would be stupid to let him go because, you know, he, he's obviously a, a perennial MVP candidate every single year. I think he's going to be up there doing it again. Um, you know, you lock down your shortstop for the future. That's incredibly important. Now you go ahead and lock down your MVP candidate uh, for the future. That's good. You know, that, that's huge Brown, for them. Extent, doing contract extensions for now. But I do expect Mookie Betts to remain a Boston Red Sox for life. No, I do as well. I think that this is going to be one of those things that's going to be taken care of at the end of the season. Um, but I, I don't expect Mookie Betts to be going anywhere. Even though the Red Sox are off to a one and four start. I mean, I still think the Red Sox will get this turned around. And I do think the Boston Red Sox will end up with a better record than they're starting right now. Oh, definitely. I mean, this, you know, this lineup, first of all, is too good. Um, you know, their, their starting rotation, obviously, they have great arms. They're still kind of working things out in their bullpen. They don't really have a definitive closer at the moment. You know, st- you, you know, you would think that Matt Barnes, as the later goes, as the year goes on, kind of establishes himself in that role. Hopefully they can get that bullpen figured out. But as far as roster compilation goes, this team is too good offensively, and their top three starters are too good for them to, you know, not be able to compete at the top of the AL East. 
And I still think the Yankees will win the AL East and then the Red Sox get the first wild card spot. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Yankees, I, I don't think they run away with the AL East, but I think they win it by a solid margin, say maybe five games or so. And then uh, before we pre- match up with the Red Sox and A's, Bryce Harper just struck out swinging in his first at-bat at, at, at Nationals Park in a Phillies uniform. Um, certainly a nice welcome. You know, Scherzer. Sure. Um, I'm sure that match, I, I thought sure. Harper knew how to hit off a Scherzer, but you know what? He just threw him that 100 mile per hour heater that got him to swing in that when the pitch, when the ball hit the dirt. Yeah, and I can certainly tell you that Max Scherzer's pumped up. You know that this is what he wants. He probably wants to go out there and give uh, give Harper the nice golden sombrero tonight. And then Reese Hoskins is at the plate. So now Chris Sale on the mound against Mike Myers. I think Chris Sale will bounce back nicely in in this start today against the Oakland A's. Yeah, I definitely think he will. Um, you know, just just go out there and and you know give us the stuff that we know he has. Uh, this is a decent A's lineup, but obviously when you have your stopper uh, in in Chris Sale, I, I think it's important for the Red Sox right now to get this win tonight. Uh, you know, get off the snide from what they've been doing in one and four. You have your ace out there. Um, you know, he's going to – if he goes out there and pitches a nice game tonight against his ace team, it's probably going to help them be able to establish themselves – you know, establish a winning streak and set the tone for what I think is going to end up being a really nice season for them. Yeah, and then the Angels are off to a one and four start. And the Mariners, we predicted early before this season that they were going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. But from the looks of it, the Seattle Mariners – they are they are off to a really good start, and they are, and I think by the end of this, by looking at their record, they're going to be in the mix for that uh for that uh, last wild card spot. Yeah, they don't look too bad. I I've been pleasantly surprised with how the Seattle Mariners look. They don't look too bad. I think one thing that I find super interesting is is the fact that that they remove you know you remove your stars, you remove Cano, you remove Cruz out of the middle of that lineup, and all of a sudden the lineup looks more cohesive. And I think what that says is that there's a much there's a much more uh, a much more sense of togetherness, I guess, and more chemistry in that lineup. Because when you get so reliant on stars in the middle of your lineup to to give you that production, sometimes it kind of takes away from the growth of other guys in that lineup and their uh, you know their confidence in their ability to produce. So I guess now they don't you know they don't really have that one kind of centric superstar you know, big prolific bat that you can point to in that lineup that's really going to draw all the attention. So now you just got to worry about nine guys who can hit well. They have some ni- they have some nice pieces in that lineup. I was surprised with Tim Beckham uh, for, you know, first couple of games of the season really putting up nice numbers for them. Yeah, and uh, I was surprised about that as well. And also for the Angels, even though they're off to a one and four start, I, I still think that this Angels team can find a way to get back on track. But what they really need, like we talked about before, is starting pitching. I think their bullpen's going to be fine. But I think they just need they just need they just need somebody that could be their ace. I know Matt Harvey. I I, I know you're familiar with Matt Harvey. Now he's an Angel, so they kind of need him to be that Dark Knight again. Yeah, you certainly hope he can get back to that form. Uh, you know that that's one hundred percent to go back to the point that you just made. Um, you know, that that's the one thing that's really holding this team back. I mean, they have a nice offense. They have a nice lineup. 
Um, obviously, when they get Justin Upton back, that's going to be very helpful for them. Um, you know, they have some decent pieces in that bullpen. You get Cody Allen over here from the Indians. That's really, really a big move for them. But that starting pitching is just very unreliable. You know, you don't know what you're going to get out of Matt Harvey. You hope that Tyler Skaggs can stay healthy. You hope that Andrew Heaney can find some consistency. I mean, they, they just need somebody in that starting rotation, especially now that, especially with Shohei Otani not being there for this full year. They need somebody in that rotation to step up and kind of take the first step toward, you know, being an ace. And, you know, hope you point out Matt Harvey uh, obviously has experience with being that number one guy. Hopefully he can, you know, regain that dark night form. I'd certainly be happy for him if he did. Uh, but, you know, hopefully they just iron out that starting pitching later on in the, as the season goes on because it, they just don't really seem to have that one definitive ace at the moment. Tyler Staggs is, is still learning, and uh, Andrew Haney is still learning. But really, uh, for the Angels, Trevor Cahill was on the mound today. I don't think he's going to have that good of an outing because I think for the Mariners' side, Marco Gonzalez is going to go go off to a 3-0 and start. And his ERA will be lowered. But how I like ERA under five. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I, I've been surprised that the way, you know, I, I, I like Marco Gonzalez at the top of the rotation. I never really thought of him as a top of the rotation arm when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals. But maybe that was just because of the way that he was kind of buried underneath some guys in the depth chart. But I like the way that he's adapted to the role early on with the Seattle Mariners. I, I, I certainly think that he kind of had to do that almost a little bit with the way that Felix Hernandez has really kind of been, uh, reg- you know, obviously taking a nosedive with how his stuff has been uh, in his, you know, over the last couple of years. So I, I, I like him. I've been pleasantly surprised. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Diamondbacks play the Padres in game two of the series today. Zach Greinke, who had a terrible outing at Dodger Stadium, as he got a lot of booze when I saw him pitch against his old club. And I think today, I think I expect Zach Greinke to bounce back at Petco Park. No, I definitely, I definitely do too. Um, you know, certainly a, uh, not, not an opening day that you would want to remember, uh, if you're Zach Granke, but, um, you know, I, I definitely expect him to bounce back. You're going to be pitching against the lineup in, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the San Diego Padres. That's not as long of a lineup, you know, not as deadly of a lineup. You kind of know, as far as the big threats in your lineup with Machado and, and Eric Hosmer, Fernando Tatis, who you have to avoid. So it's a little bit easier to navigate. I, I think he'll be able to, you know, get, uh, get a better feel back for his stuff. And I think he'll have a really nice outing six, seven innings of, of one, maybe one run ball and, you know, get himself back on track. Yeah. And then who the Dodgers almost got last Friday, I forgot to mention, they almost, handed Robbie Ray that loss, but they really got to him. But really Robbie Ray had nine strikeouts. I know how tough Robbie Ray pitches. And every time he takes the mound at Dodger stadium in a diamond back to Norm, because I could tell he loves pitching in that ballpark. He does. Absolutely. And Robbie, you know, Robbie Ray, certainly we know has unbelievable stuff. Dodgers uh, almost got to him, but he was able to get away with five good innings. Yeah. Yeah. He in did. The no yeah. decision he got. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't really know what it is. Some guys just take to ballparks better than others. And Robbie Ray certainly just has an affinity for Dodger Stadium. Yeah, and then for the Padres tonight, who's going up against Zach Greinke's Eric Lauer, who has the Dodgers number when it comes to the Padres. The Dodgers want to avoid facing Eric Lauer because he's a young kid that has good stuff. And watch out when Mackenzie Gore comes up. 
Because yeah. I have a feeling that when Mackenzie Court comes up, I have a feeling that he probably will dominate the Dodgers as much as I hate to say that because when he pitches at Dodger Stadium, which is a pitcher-friendly ballpark, I think Mackenzie Gore would probably have to will probably I think Mackenzie Gore is really tough on both righties and lefties. Yeah, Mackenzie Gore is obviously he has that explosive stuff, but he's also got a pretty funky windup too, so it adds that uh kind of element of adding a a, a weird sort of um, you know, a weird sort of look for your eyes along with that explosive fastball. Uh, I, I, when he comes up, I fully expect him to be an ace type of pitcher. Um, and a guy for the Dodgers, uh, excuse me, for the Padres that I've been very impressed with is Chris Paddock. I mean, he was a dude that, you know, we saw really lighted up in spring training and then he came out in his first start of the year and he was absolutely sensational. So he's a dude that I really did not see coming. That's just, that adds to that that adds to what are some pretty decent arms for the Padres in that rotation. Yeah. And for the Padres, I think they have a pretty good rotation now, but their bullpen's pretty good. But with the giants, when I, when I saw last night, the the giants starting pitching is okay, but not great, but their bullpen is pretty, is, is off to a pretty good start to begin the year. Yeah. They have some really nice arms in that bullpen. We got uh, one guy that I got to see last night that I was uh, very refreshed in seeing that I'm a little familiar with because he came up with the Washington Nationals as Trevor Gott. I mean, he's a guy in the mound, not a not a real big in stature, but quick delivery, quick arm, nice breaking ball, and a, a very, very, um, you know, a very, very nice fastball. Has really, really good life to it uh, up in the zone. He pitched very well last night. They have some decent arms in that bullpen. That's been like kind Melanson, of a- Tony Watson, who used to be a Dodger, and then. Although Melanson lost his closers role, I thought he was going to get it back, but Will Smith has decided to lock it up. Yeah, they have, you know, they between those three with Watson, uh, Melanson, and uh, and Will Smith, and you know, obviously, you know, Trevor Gott, like I mentioned, you know, obviously in the past when the Giants have been successful, they have nice start, they have a nice starting rotation, but you know, they have also had nice bullpens in the past, and now they're kind of modeling that same thing with the good bullpen that they have this year. I think ultimately that's going to be one of the, uh, one of the Giants' strengths. Yeah, is that bullpen. But, uh, but tonight I expect the Dodgers to win tonight and beat the Giants and then take two out of three from the Giants because obviously t- tomorrow the Giants are getting Derek Holland on the mound tomorrow, and Derek Holland's not good. No, Derek Holland's not that good. He is a uh, he, he's, he's a very hittable pitcher at this point in his career, and I think that the Dodgers are going to be able to take advantage of him tomorrow. They will take advantage of Derek Holland tomorrow because Holland used to be good with the Rangers, but now with the Giants, he is he pitch when he throws the ball, he pitches he pitches he pitches hittable hittable uh, stuff to the to the hitters. And what I his ERA is above six, and I think he gave up too many runs against the Padres. Yeah, he's not he is not nearly what he used to be. He's not, you know, he doesn't have that same bite on his sinker that he once had. Uh, you know, a little, you know, uh, loopier breaking balls now that he throws. He doesn't have that same command. Obviously, nowhere near the same velocity. He's kind of coming uh, from the left side, 88 to 90 consistently. Um, much more hittable than he was earlier in his career with the Rangers. So the Dodgers should be able to jump on him and take advantage of him. And also, uh, even now, though, that the Giants got Kevin Pillar, I don't expect to see him out there today. I think he'll make his Giants debut tomorrow. 
Yeah, I agree with you, but I still I think that's a nice add for the Giants. You get a guy in center field, obviously, who can run down uh, baseballs with the best of them. Nice arm, but you know, an upgrade offensively in center field as well. He's I mean, he's not a prolific hitter, but he's a two seventy five, two eighty guy that you can throw. You know, maybe in the top of your lineup because he's got decent speed. You can throw him in the bottom of your lineup as well. Be a nice turnover guy for them. Uh, so I I think overall, and especially because of what they gave you know they gave up. Uh, you know, a couple of bullpen arms and then Allen Hansen. I, I think that's I think that's a pretty solid trade. And then we also we might have an injury scare right here in Washington. Trey Turner, I think, got a got a pitch off his hand. Oh boy. Oh no, you and don't like to see that. That the Washington Nationals can't afford to lose because he is a he's a guy that really provides you speed. He's a good contact hitter. He hits triples and he looks like he's gonna he's gonna stay in the game. That's great for them. That's oh, no, huge. No. no? No, I'm looking at the screen right now. Turner got up, but I think he's going to – oh, he's going to leave the game. I, yeah. I saw that he's going into the clubhouse to get to get his hand looked at. Yeah, I think they're probably going to take him for some preliminary x-rays, things like that, uh, just to take a look at his hand. You have to – you know, because you, you can't – you, better safe than sorry with a guy like Trey Turner at the top of that lineup. He is a he, – he's, he's a jump starter for them and you know he he's starting to come around with his power he had a couple of night a couple of really long home runs in the series against my Mets and um you know he's he, he's a, a centerpiece in that lineup for them with that speed uh you know developing his power obviously a great fielder great arm athletic kid uh you really do not want to lose him for a long period of time so hopefully he is okay I I was thinking when I was looking at the screen right here while we're doing the show I had the game on for the for M- I usually will have MLB TV on and tell you what's going on around baseball now that the season's starting and uh, I saw that I thought Turner was going to first base after he got hit but it looked like that he was going into the clubhouse because he left the game and then the Nationals brought up a pinch hitter because Davey Martinez just made a change at second base and that's why they're putting Wilmer Depot at shortstop now. Yeah, I I think I I think it would have been. I think that's just the right move anyway, you know, regardless of what he says, if he thinks that his hand's okay, it's the right move to just take him out. You can't be too sure. You know, you, you want to just make sure that there's nothing broken in his hand, no structural damage and that, you know, if you do lose him out of your lineup, it's maybe for a day or two uh, just to allow it to properly heal. Yeah. And uh, now they have a pinch hitter now in that game. So now, now that being said, Eric Lauer, I think will pitch well against the Diamondbacks today. And also, uh, also, when it comes to the Giants' rotation, Pudge Rodriguez and Derek Rodriguez has a lot of potential to be really good. And Jeff Samarja, to me, is a hit-and-miss person. Yeah, he is. You know, he's one of those guys that has always had the stuff uh, to be able to go out there and be dominant. Live fastball, good slider, good split, uh, but just doesn't consistently put it together on a, on a start-by-start basis. I really like uh, Derek Rodriguez. I think he's got great stuff, and I think he could – uh, potentially be a nice top of the rotation arm for them in the future. I thought he, I was I thought he was going to start in one of the Dodgers Giants series, but it's going to they the Dodgers the Giants feature three lefties. I was thinking if they were going to put Samarja in there because I know the Dodgers can get to Jeff Samarja. Yeah, yeah, they certainly can. Um, I you know it's an interesting thing for them to put three lefties in there because you take a look at some of their big boppers in their lineup. Uh, you know, being able to neutralize them with the lefties. Obviously, you can kind of neutralize, uh, you know, Bellinger a little bit. You can neutralize Muncie. Uh, you know, you take the power of Peterson out of the lineup against the righty matchup. Um, so throwing three lefties in there is interesting. I think that eventually we're going to be able to see 
um, you know, Derek Rodriguez grow into a, a top of the rotation type of guy, and then he'll be able to make his way up there. Uh, maybe later in the season, if they want to reshift that rotation. Yeah. For him to be next to Madison Bumgarner and then talk about when Johnny Cueto comes back. That's going to be huge for them. Absolutely going to be huge. Um, top of the rotation arm for them. Uh, he's eventually going to be coming back off of having Tommy John surgery. Uh, so I, I think coming back off of Tommy John surgery, though, I don't have very high expectations as far as, you know, how he's going to pitch, you know, numbers wise, because, you know, being off of the mound so long, um, you know, seeing live hitters, it's a different feel. Uh, you know, you kind of go out there and, and you just want to make sure that your arm is OK, that, you know, everything healed properly during the rehab process, that you're getting your feel back for your pitches and that your mechanics feel good along with your arm swing. So I don't, you know, I, I can't really expect, you know, immediately great results right away. Um, but, you know, if he shows that he's healthy and he shows that his arm is, is you know, um, that his arm is fully healed and that he's getting, uh, you know, that he's getting a feel for his pitches back, that's certainly a great sign. Yeah, so talk about the rotation for the Giants when Quaida comes back. It's going to be Bumgarner, it's going to be Quaido number two, and then number three will be Derek Rodriguez, and then Derek Holland number four, and then Jeff Samarja number five. And then Drew yeah, I, back to the bullpen. Yeah, I would actually like to I, – I think I would actually rather see them put, uh, you know, Pomerantz probably in the rotation instead of Derek Holland. I think the I, – I just think that the stuff of Pomerantz plays better in the rotation than it does for Derek Holland. Yeah, absolutely. So now, with that being said, let's preview when the Mets play their home opener against the Washington Nationals and when the Dodgers play the Colorado Rockies. So when the Dodgers face the Rockies, I know they're going to face Tyler Anderson on Friday. They're going to face John Gray on Saturday. And then I know they're going to see Kyle, Kyle Freeland on Sunday. And you guys play a four-game series with the Washington Nationals at City Field. I don't know if you're going to be there for it. I don't know how many Mets games you're going to be at this year at City Field. Yeah, um, early in the year, definitely not a lot just because of my baseball schedule. But I certainly hope that I can get up there, um, you know, at probably sometime in late May, maybe early June. I would definitely love to see that. Um, I, I know that the rotation is going to work out like this for the home for, for home. So Cindergard is going to get the home opener uh, because DeGrom is going to be starting tomorrow. Uh, in the final game of the Marlins series. So it's going to, you know, Cindergaard will get the home opener. Uh, then it will be uh, Zach Wheeler after that, then Steven Matz, and then Jason Vargas. Um, you know, Cindergaard for the home opener, I, I expect him to go out there and throw a good game. Uh, you know, start off the homestand the right way. Uh, you certainly hope that the offense carries over. Uh, to you know back to the home ball field with that you know the energy in the crowd I expect to be absolutely fantastic especially for the home opener and especially because this will be the first time that they're going that they're going to be able to see uh, Pete Alonzo in the lineup they're going to be able to see Robbie Cano in the lineup at home for the first time uh, so I expect that home opener be in that home opening series against the Nationals to be a really really exciting one. I say the I say the Mets sweep the Nationals in that home opener, and then when the Rockies play the Dodgers this weekend, I expect the Dodgers. You know how like the Giants, how the Dodgers are going to take two out of three from the Giants. I expect the Dodgers to take two out of three from the Rockies in Denver. I don't think they're going to win in the Rockies home opener. I, you know, here's the thing. I expect the Dodgers to take the first two games of the series. I think they spoil the Rockies on Friday in their home opener. They beat John Gray on Saturday, and then Sunday night. With its, if it's when it's Kyle Freeland on the mound against Arias against Kyle Freeland, 
that's going to be a pitcher's duel. Yeah, that's going to be a really tough matchup. I think Freeland is obviously the much more dominant pitcher of the three. Um, the thing about, you know, Tyler Anderson doesn't have really great stuff, so you can probably hit him around. But the thing with John Gray is that you really don't even have to do much as far as an offense goes. You really don't have to be swinging the bats great that day because John Gray has, is one of those guys that has a very high walk rate, so he can kind of beat himself, but then also is a guy that has been known to give up the long ball. So if you do come with the bats that day, especially in Colorado, uh, you know, you could see you can see balls flying all over the place reminiscent of opening day. So here's what I'm thinking. I say the Dodgers take two out of three from the Rockies. I say the Dodgers win Friday, win Saturday, and Sunday at the toss-up. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. I think the Freeland game is going to be the one that's the closest one. But the Friday and Saturday games, I think the Anderson game will be not even close. No, not at all. And I honestly think that the John Gray game won't be even close. So I think the Dodgers will easily take the first two games of the series. I I think Kenseth Maeda is pitching Friday, and I think uh, I I also think Walker Bueller will be on the mound at Coors Field on Saturday, which I expect him, even though Bueller didn't have a good start on Sunday against the Diamondbacks, it wasn't the end of the world. I didn't think it was it was a dramatically bad start. I just think Walker Bueller just didn't didn't pitch at all in spring training, and I feel like that Walker Bueller is going to be an 18 game winner for us still. It doesn't yeah, matter I, by one start, though. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you can't take too much out of the first start. You know, just like, you know, just like anything, the first, the, the first start of the year, all you know, may always be a little bit rough uh, going on. I mean, it wasn't so drastically bad with him that you really have to be worried about anything. But um, you know, obviously, just has to make some adjustments. Could have been better, but I think he'll. You know, I, I think he'll just you know, grow into that 18 game winner that we, you know, that me and you uh, talked about. I think it's just going to be a matter of time, uh, you know, with him growing start by start. And we're going to see him finally reach that, uh, you know, reach that massive potential that he has. This I year. think it's this year that he finally reached it. But I think it's just when I saw him pitching that one started, it, it, he didn't look hurt at all. It, I think because I knew he battled some uh, tired arms. It, it, uh, he battled a tired arm and, and throughout spring training. I just felt like that he – I think he just looked lost mentally. But I think the next start he's when he's on the mound at Coors Field, even though that's a tough place to pitch, he'll bounce back nicely. Yeah, I think he'll do just fine. I think he'll, I, I think he'll bounce back at his second start. Um, you know, now you're going up against the Rockies offense that's much more potent, so you got to be a little bit more focused. Uh, and I certainly think that that's gonna that that's gonna help him go on the mound and pitch and get uh, pitch really well. Yeah, I I and I expect the Dodgers to take two out of three from the Rockies, and also I expect the Dodgers to take three out of four when they go to St. Louis next week. Really? Wow! And that's gonna be I a tough. That is because the Dodgers play the Cardinals very well, especially when the Cardinals come to Dodger Stadium. And when the Dodgers go to Bush Stadium. Yeah, much tougher matchup now, though, now that you have to account for uh, the big bat of Paul Goldschmidt, which certainly got off, who certainly got off to a really, really hot start uh, with his nice three-homer game that he had in Milwaukee. Yeah, and I think the Cardinals are going to be the division winners of the National League Central. And next week, when we, go, when we are on air, we're going to talk about when the Dodgers host the Milwaukee Brewers next week when they return from their uh, road trip. Yeah, that's going to be a really, really fun series to watch. Uh, you know, two of obviously the best teams in the National League going after it. And then I might be going to when the Reds play the Dodgers on Jackie Robinson Day to see the return of Puig and Kemp in a Reds uniform at Dodger Stadium. I expect them both to get standing ovations. I, I, I think you I think you could agree with that. Yeah, although the Dodgers have a tough schedule in April, I expect the Dodgers to come into those games 
play well, especially when they play the Cardinals next week and then when they go to Wrigley Field in the, at the end of the month. Yeah, no, I expect them to come out of uh, I expect them to come out of April hot and uh, just continue that just continue to build off of that hot start. Yeah, especially when they're playing the top teams in the National League Central, which we have on our schedule this month for the Dodgers, which I'm looking forward to actually seeing, actually. Yeah, those are going to be a ton of fun, and those are teams that they certainly have to beat, and those are the teams that you measure yourself up against uh, as far as being able to continue uh, to to compete for a World Series. So, uh, you know, those are certainly going to be games that you're going to want to keep your eye on and will be very, very fun to watch. Yeah, so – so I so again my final MLB thoughts is I'll be at the Dodger game tonight against the Giants and uh, I expect Hinton Ryu to go at least seven or eight innings today since this bullpen has been a little bit tired from what I've seen I want to see this bullpen to get a rest today. Yeah, uh, de- uh, definitely. My final MLB thought of the day is uh, I actually just saw the uh, the video of of Bryce Harper striking out against uh, Max Scherzer and I thought it was really funny the crowd reaction. Uh, that they had when when Harper swung and missed at that low changeup, it, it was it was a, a booming, booming reaction uh, for Bryce Harper's strikeout. So I thought that was pretty funny. Oh yeah. So now that being said, more baseball talk next week. Let's talk about the NBA in just a minute. 